Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast designed to give people the inside scoops with what's going on around our church community. And uh, today I get to hang out with uh, just another great next-gen leader around here, a young woman by the name of Maddie Van Hemert. Maddie, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. Uh, To help us get to know you a little better, uh, give us... First off, just some personal background, mm-hmm. uh, where you came from, you know, what you're up to these days, that kind of thing. Sure. So I'm uh, originally from Newmarket. I was born and raised there and ended up moving to St. Catharines to go to Brock. I completed five years there um, to go into teaching. And at the end of the five years, I ended up deciding to stay. And the bulk of my reasoning and staying was this community And so it was probably the middle of my time at Brock that I started volunteering in the shelter, actually. And that community turned my world upside down in terms of faith and who I understood God to be and understanding my place in the story. And um, so when I got to the end of my five years, I couldn't really picture going anywhere else. with the the people I connected with, the relationships I had made. Um, and then that kind of grew my experience at Southridge and jumping into different areas. Yeah. So to walk us through the story of like how you ended up even at the shelter mm-hmm. from Brock. You're sure. up at Brock, you're from Newmarket, no association with our church at all. Sure. Yeah. So that... <laughs> It's not going to sound maybe the greatest, but um, I started coming to Southridge like the first Sunday after moving to St. Catharines. Okay. Um, but I was very involved at Brock and in residence life, and that consumed a lot of my time. So the first two or three years, I was lucky if I was able to come to Sunday morning service and not have to leave five minutes early to catch You're the bus You're pretty on back. campus. Yeah. yeah. So... I was limited in how much I could be involved. And then with transportation, the bus system was a bit different. So yeah. I, evenings and weekends were just awkward to get around. Um, but it wasn't until I finished working in residence and was living off campus full time, not going home in the summer. And it was one summer, I think going into my third or fourth year that I felt like something was missing and was trying to figure out like, do I even belong in this community? I've I've been doing MS for mm-hmm. That met, like since I started coming here, yeah. um, but I'm like connecting with seven, eight year olds, and that's yeah. not really the people I'm going to hang out with outside of MS time. And was trying to figure out, like, am I missing something or is this just not the community for me? And ended up meeting with um, one of the staff here and said exactly that, which maybe was a little bold, but um, was trying to figure out, like, is this for me or should I go church shopping somewhere else? Like I'm prepared to do what I need to do to connect. And the push was to get involved at the shelter. And so I started volunteering at the front desk and with Ukrainites and I didn't look back after that. Yeah. And full disclosure, Mm -hmm. uh, Maddie served a stint on our staff uh, working in the shelter. Uh, Do you want to talk about that era, knowing that you're kind of headed towards ideally more full-time teaching now, but uh, talk about your, your Southridge staff experience. Yeah. So the summer going into my fifth year at Brock, I got hired on the shelter after about a year of volunteering there and worked uh, as a resident support service. Um, And so I was on the floor, I was behind the front desk doing all of those um, 
kind of checklist things that we do as a staff, but then also connecting with people and um, connecting with volunteers and everything that that job kind of entails. Um, so that was like, I think back in 2015. And then I just resigned back in December. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's about four and a half years that I did that. Um, Good part-time gig. <laughs> yeah, it was a great part-time gig. Tell me uh, another I guess, funny piece to your story is not just that you ended up here Mm-hmm. from originally Newmarket, but now your family's ended up here. How did that all happen? Because there's a whole bunch of you around well, here now. I'd like to think it was me, but <laughs> um, it wasn't entirely me. They were looking to move while I was at school. They were having that conversation of let's get out of the GTA, basically. And and so they were looking between Niagara Region and Barrie, Um but then as my involvement grew um, at Southridge, specifically with the shelter, um, my family back home was pretty involved in um, like street level kind of communities okay. through soup kitchens yep. and clothing centers. So that was always a part of our family life. Um, and quite frankly, the community that I was in for my mom especially was something that she was craving that didn't really become what it maybe could have. Um, and so when I started going on and on about all these like great opportunities I was having and relationships that I was becoming a part of, um, they started checking out Southridge more and that was a huge influencer in their move. So now there's a whole whack of Van Hemer people. Yes, all, all, they're all, all rock here. stars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, both in your, your staff experience and, like you said, kids ministry mm-hmm. and Sunday mornings and volunteering at the shelter. Um, what would you say you've enjoyed the most uh, being part of our church? This is just to get a bit of next gen voice into this conversation. What What have you enjoyed being part of our church the most? Yeah, um, I if I were to narrow, if I were to be more general to to get at that question, it would be the community, and I've had that community kind of experience in different circles that our church offers. Right, yeah. so. Um, the one big one that was really transformational for me was in this shelter. And I, I haven't left that even though I'm not working there anymore. Um, so that was huge for me, but now with brave girls, I have a different kind of community. Um, and then people that I've just gotten to know, whether it's in either of those circles or just through like one church events or Sunday mornings or whatever, um, I've been plugged into at different times. I've created a relationship that has just continued outside of those types of programs. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another question, just to get a bit of your perspective and voice into things. Uh, I know I've been in a bunch of different environments where we've had these kinds Mm -hmm. of bigger picture uh, conversations about the health and future of our church. But from your perspective these days, how are you feeling about the pulse and the direction of Southridge? I'm excited about it. Like, when I, if I look at Sunday mornings, for instance, um, I know we had Len in here and we were talking about shelter and the third row and that sort of thing. Um, and so seeing like our, con- our congregation on a Sunday morning and seeing such a diverse group of people, um, seeing the third row filled. Yeah. yeah. Seeing that third <laughs> row filled and even the amount of um, students that we have coming, like hmm. that was me almost 10 years ago. Yeah. And I felt like there, I didn't know any other students that were around. And now I like almost a decade later, I see 
students coming out of I don't know where, but there's tons of them. Mm. And that's super exciting to me and knowing that um, our church isn't getting like top heavy in terms of age demographic is a super exciting thing. Um, and I think it shows health when we have um, people across all generations that are plugged in and engaging. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess kind of segueing into that, um, we're in a life group with a, a mixed group of people, like age, life stages, everything. And, um, and to see that that's a common trend uh, is encouraging for me because I don't think um, a church should be led by one specific type of group of people, mm. whether it's age or yeah. race or whatever. Um, and so seeing diversity across all spectrums within our church mm. um, is exciting to me. And I think it's a sign of um, being outside of just one little bubble, right? Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that because I know in our group life uh, department, there's a lot of conversation about that right now, how to cultivate a greater degree of unity in diversity, mm -hmm. just in the, in the life group ministry, yeah. because your experience is probably an exception, not the rule. Sure. Most of our groups are still pretty affinity based sure. and, uh, common to season of life or, yeah. you know, geographic neighborhood or whatever. There's a lot of commonality to how our groups are organized. And, uh, even just to cultivate that to a greater degree is going to be mm -hmm. exciting to see how God works. Um, the, the conversation I'm interested in today is actually not just to hear from you as a next-gen voice where you've typically contributed in uh, both on and off the record type of environments, but to actually get your take on, and you kind of already alluded to this, but to get your take on the generation coming beyond mm -hmm. you, because you had mentioned that you serve in Brave Girls, and I think that that's given you a real front row seat to like what that emerging generation mm -hmm. is about and how they think and whatever. And so I want to drill into that a little bit today. Um, start off by just giving us some basics and reminding us, uh, you know, where the Brave Girl program came from and, and kind of what the point of it is, how it how it works. Sure. So the Brave Girl, um, Brave Girls program came from um, Ellen a partnership with Ellen Duffield and her research around girls and women and leadership and in in church environments and figuring out um, statistics and and facts around confidence in girls specifically and realizing that when girls reach age and I think nine is what it, that that age is. Um, that they're, that's when their confidence peaks. And mm -hmm. then from what her studies have shown that that just kind of drops. And so knowing that after years of her research, um, this program was developed in, with the goal of trying to curb that and let that trajectory continuing uh, or continue growing upward. And, and so this program is a very unique thing because there's only two of them in Canada, yeah. one at our church and one up on a reserve, like way Northern Ontario. And so, uh, knowing that too, it has been such a unique and special experience because I think this is something that matters. And I know, and I talk with our leaders too, like if, if I had that program when I was mm. not nine, 10, 11, yeah. 12 years old, um, and our, our leaders would say the same. We say this all the time. Um, it would be it would be so inter interesting to see like what would we have done differently, or um, what would we have faced with more confidence or courage or bravery, right? And that's where that brave acronym um, comes into play. And and we work through that acronym as 
those three years go on. It's a three-year program. And so um, like the first year, we kind of cover all of them. So the girls um, become familiar with kind of like beginning with the end in mind. Like right. what are what we trying to work towards? What a brave girl framework mm-hmm. includes. Yep. Yeah. So the, the acronym being uh, the B, um, beloved, therefore beautiful. And that's the bulk of our focus in the first year. But we, we do touch on all of them yeah. that first year. Um, then the R, resilient, therefore risk-taking. A, action and advocacy. V, valuable will, and therefore willing to use my voice. And then E, equipped and empowered. And and we work through that acronym over those three years um, with the idea that that those can be things that the girls have in their like toolkit for faith and for life, so to speak. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, functionally or practically, you know, there's a monthly gathering, mm-hmm. there's occasional retreats, yeah. and then there's obviously the kind of ongoing connectivity yeah. that, that people have throughout the year. And you mentioned it's three years, so it's mm-hmm. uh, grade six, seven, and eight. Yeah. There's kind of a year one, year two, and year three is the way that the cohorts are described. And as a leader, you actually got involved Mm -hmm. with a year one cohort and you are tracking, you're not just a year one provider of content or Mm -hmm. or of that experience. You actually are tracking with this same cohort of girls through the three year run. Yes. So you're in the middle now, just to orient people, you're in the middle basically of uh, your second year Mm -hmm. with this Brave Girls group. Yeah, so I started with my girls last year, and they were all in grade six from all three locations. Um, so it's not split between location; they all come together. Uh, and so now I'm in the year two phase, right. and I have those girls from last year, and now they're in grade seven. Right, and there's eight or ten or something, yeah. and and there's three of you as leaders. Yes, just to give a bit of context to this. So I'm I'm curious. Then last year was when you started to make this investment into this year one cohort, and uh, you know you mentioned Ellen's research that confidence kind of peaks at age nine, which is just after mm-hmm. the grade six girls begin. Um, when you first started with that group of girls, what did you notice about them then, mm-hmm. especially in relation to trying to imagine where you were at grade six or where you were in elementary school? Right? Totally. You dive in. What did you notice? Yeah. Um, so once you break the ice, like like any group, the first meeting's kind of awkward because no one knows each other. So once you get past that, um, I, I noticed like girls who, for the most part, had grown up in church their whole life. So it wasn't like um, the Bible or faith is like an unknown or something brand new to them. Um, but it was definitely going from like knowing these stories that we've heard on Sunday mornings or heard when we're at home. Um, and then taking it that next step to what does that look like in my life? Can my life reflect mm-hmm. what I'm learning and, and digging deeper into how this can apply to us as women and us as leaders and us as, um, children of God. Which even that's interesting because we've talked many times about how our, our MS program, which you also have been involved in for mm-hmm. years, you know, it's designed around some essential, what we call crib to college mm-hmm. curricula mm-hmm. so that people have a basic orientation to yeah. the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, by the time they leave home. And uh, it's fascinating to, to hear even that observation that, you know, these people, a lot of whom grew up in churches and mm-hmm. full disclosure, you're talking about my daughter, <laughs> uh, my brother's daughter, yeah. Carrie Jones' daughter, Mike yeah. Krause's daughter. I mean, I, half of these aren't just church kids. These are yeah. pastor church kids. Yeah. Um, 
there is a difference between awareness mm -hmm. of the Bible yeah. and awareness even of the content or the stories of the Bible and ownership of it yeah. for yourself. And, and that's true in everyone's spiritual journey, but... Uh, interesting that that was something that struck you right at the very beginning was, yeah. wow, they, they know of, but they don't, they don't own it yet for themselves. Yeah. And it, it wasn't necessarily like a lack of knowledge because I love the orange curriculum that we have in m and um, but it was more so like something I think that comes with just maturity. Right. Uh, and then part of it being like, I know this, but how can I, how can it really hit home for me? And that becomes something that I'm, I'm living out more fully. Um, and so once, once we're able to have deeper conversations, um, and it's like in a small group type setting, it's a, it's a safe environment because it's the same group of us every week. Attendance is required. So it's not like people can miss a month and then jump in two months later. Like there's that consistency piece that makes a huge difference. And and once that was kind of established and then we're going through stories that they've already heard and some that they hadn't, like some of the stories that we use from the Bible are a bit obscure or, or just aren't like your common, like Noah's Ark type story. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. Like once we tapped in, into their life and was, were making connections, the kind of connections that they came to on their own, it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting this, yeah, we're getting yeah. somewhere, right? Um, so that, that's cool. And now a, a year and a half in, uh, what have you, what are you noticing these days or what are you, what have you observed now in the first half of this experience mm -hmm. with this particular cohort of girls? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I think something that I've noticed more so recently has been, uh, the amount of vulnerability that we're getting mm -hmm. in our group. Um, and and so that looks differently for each girl because it depends on what's maybe a sensitive spot for them or what's an area that maybe isn't as much of a strength for one girl as it is for another. Mm -hmm. But um, what that sometimes looks like or sounds like is at the beginning of our monthly meetings, um, we're let in time, like five or 10 minutes where girls can come up and share what we call a brave win. Um, so what's something that's happened in the last month that for you was a big deal and that took a lot of bravery and that you're proud of. And we, we share those in the group and we celebrate them. Um, so this year I've seen more of my year two girls engaging in that and being able, like, it's daunting. You're going up into a microphone in front of a bunch of other girls and of all three cohorts, like the whole, the whole cohorts. large group. Yeah. Right. And we talk about how like culturally and in the, in the past you, and in, in movies and whatever, in your own experiences, you see, unfortunately, more commonly girls tearing each other down. Mm. Whereas in this environment, we talk about um, what's called the tall poppy syndrome. And when you're a girl that's standing up above everyone else for a certain leadership quality that's shining out, um, poppies are delicate flowers. And so when you get knocked around, you're going to fall unless mm. everyone rises up together. And so mm. that experience itself is having someone identify something that they've been brave about. And then we encourage that there's applause, there's, um, mm. encouragement, there's cheering. Um, so I'm seeing our girls do more of that. Um, and that's a pretty vulnerable thing. Mm. Um, especially if you're like, well, this is embarrassing. It's something I'm proud of, but like other girls do this all the time. Why does this matter? Right. 
Um, so that would be one area that I've noticed some some growth in. Um, and then another area like this year too focuses on um, spiritual practices and we're blending, we're combining spiritual practices with the R and brave. So the risk taking and resiliency piece um, and believing like we need to have spiritual practices that are locked in that these girls can tap in and that frankly anybody of faith should be tapping into a a bank of things and we we talk about that on sunday mornings with the spiritual gymnasium and all these exercises that were led through um but this this year for year two is focused on building up those habits um and so it's been cool in conversation each week when we talk about um when, when, depending on the topic we're on, whether it's worship or prayer or whatever, um, how many times the girls are referring back to a practice that we introduced mm. in the first mm. year or have dug deeper in this year. Um, and one of them being, they're like a lot of them resort to journaling. Mm-hmm. And so whether they're journaling their prayers or they're journaling um, something just to purely process through, yeah. they can point back to that Um and so it's, it's cool to see like, oh, wow, we didn't talk about that for the last two months, yet you've brought that up and this has clearly become a regular practice for you. Yeah. And it's amazing, isn't it? When you, <laughs> when you see the investment into orienting people to some of the core spiritual practices, mm-hmm. when they get embraced, uh, they help. Yeah. They help people mm-hmm. establish uh, a more ongoing relationship with God, and more importantly, the experience of His presence in their lives yeah. to a greater degree. It, yeah. it, I don't know what else to say other than the, the, that's how you access the life and activity mm-hmm. of God in a, in a practical way. Um, any other like key uh, kind of supports that you've seen have helped this generation or this uh, age of girls or anything else in the first year and a half that has mm-hmm. struck you as far as, wow, that, that really made a difference. Yeah. Um, the group that I have in this year two program that, I, that my leaders and I have are, um, a fairly artsy group. And so hmm. we've been trying to figure, okay, what are ways through art that they're, that they can connect or go deeper. And so, um, this past, uh, the year two girls go on a retreat to Jericho house in December, um, November, December. And so we did a bunch of different artsy type things that had spiritual roots in them. So, um, looking at like, kind of like a scrapbook type of journal, Hmm. um, we had Bonnie Fowler lead them in a spiraling exercise where they had to, you basically select images as you walk through this actual spiral and then, you create in your journal whatever you're feeling led to and and then reflect on what your piece is kind of sharing showing you or speaking to you um so and then there's the music element too like worship for them i would say for our the whole brave girls group is something where you just see girls coming alive and it, yeah it's just i mean it's always i find it always beautiful yeah. seeing um, these girls worship and, and yeah, it's an experience like yeah. no other. Yeah. Um, so I mean, ultimately where I'd like to get in this conversation is as a next gen leader mm-hmm. observing and spending time and becoming a kind of a resident expert on this next, next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is this, 
I guess, what's coming down the pike? Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about the next next generation being different because Mm -hmm. they're native to the internet or they're native to the phone, right? The portable device or whatever. Are are you noticing any real uniqueness Mm -hmm. in this next generation that as a church we can be aware of and prepare for? Or what's, what's, what's that next or that real next generation kind of look like and what are they bringing to the table? Yeah. Um, I guess I would maybe parallel it with an activity that we did back in year one, like all the year one girls do this activity. It was um, a tea tasting. And so the premise of the activity was that there was three different teas that we had to steep, but we had like an education piece behind the drying process. And for each of these three teas, I think it was like a white tea, a black tea, green tea, the drying process for the leaves was different. The amount of time that it's steeping for is different. The temperature of the water varies. Um, and all these elements that go into making that perfect cup of tea, depending on the type that you're using. And and the conversation that we pull out of that is, um, as leaders, we need to see people for who they are. Uh, we need to meet them where they are. and And we need to lead them in and spend attention and time in ways that they need, how they need it. Um, so those three elements being who, where, and how. Um, and so I'm starting to see that with our girls when we talk about, uh, in their current context, like a difficult peer at school and, and how you, how you, um, manage what, the majority is thinking or saying or feeling about that one person, um, how you act on it. So like when we do our brave wins, we have people starting to share more frequently. Like there's that one kid that's always left out and they've been spending their lunches with that Mm -hmm. student or Mm -hmm. their time outside on break with that student. Um, and so when I'm seeing like where we're having those conversations and then it's growing into their current context, like, if we, any of us think back to middle school, like that is like the biggest social, the biggest social that injustice cause. that you, right? yeah. Like, why would you ever put yourself in yeah, that situation? Yeah. Like you're, you're going to have a mark on your back too, right? Where they're putting it into practice in, in ways that are really big and really real for where they're at right now. Um, and, and I think as they're, by year three, they have to be volunteering in um, some type of program or ministry yeah, at yeah. Southridge. It's part of the requirement for this program. Um, and so actually, I think I think all of the girls in our year two program are already involved somehow. Um, but as they get to take on more responsibility and leadership in those areas and when they v- grow and evolve into different things, I think if if they're already putting into practice something, so some concept that is simple yet as important as like how you treat the outsider in your class, that's a, that's a huge leadership yeah. win and that's yeah. a huge character builder. Yeah. And if they're already able to do that in grade six, seven, which is like a really hard age for most people, um, I'm excited to see how that's going to continue growing when we continue to have these conversations and putting that challenge out and, and, in, and 
celebrating those things because those are really big wins yeah and will be trajectory setting for how you treat and lead anybody yeah this is this is a massive one to me that i hope uh those listening can can really track because it, it it encourages me in my my seat as a church leader you know when when we first moved to saint Catharines, mm-hmm. convicted that if our church up and disappeared no one would even notice because mm-hmm. there was just so little compassion and justice that defined our community and even defined our lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had this sense that this would really track with the next generation, Mm -hmm. right? That the emerging generation was going to track with this, you know, even more strongly than we did because we were just sort of figuring it out and learning it on the fly. And, you know, people like you and your peers Mm -hmm. grabbed hold of that and and have brought our compassion and justice to life Mm -hmm. in ways we probably wouldn't have even imagined. Now I'm seeing a next next generation that's kind of growing up, not just at Southridge, but just in in society and mm-hmm. from a global perspective and whatever. Th- they have a sensitivity to issues of justice and marginalization and even environmentalism mm-hmm. and things like that 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 are even stronger than what I knew for so long as the next generation, right? Yeah. I assumed that the next generation would be hotter about this stuff than my generation, which was true. What we got to appreciate is that the next, next generation is even hotter. Yeah. And so we, we need to realize that we're not going backwards on this kind of stuff, that we're yeah. going to actually be pressing in and leaning in even more. And from from my perspective, it it provides immense hope for the future of our church, mm-hmm. that the next next generation is going to bring even stronger convictions about this stuff and lead us into the future in an even more powerful way. Yeah, it's been great. Like this last week, the year one and two girls, or last month, I should say, um, the year one and two girls got together. And I think there was pictures on our social media, but um, they learned about the Welland and St. Catherine's anchor causes and got to put together like mini care packages Um in light of Valentine's day for people Mm. that were serving in those anchor causes and like the kinds of questions that they were asking our representatives that we invited to share about, um, those specific causes just showed thinking beyond like, what are some of the facts? Like it got to the heart of, of I wasn't asking those questions in grade seven. No. And, (laughs) and like so amazing to see where their mind is already going and being able to identify a key issue or um, hurt that's happening to people in our community and and still having that shock value of like, wow, that's real. Like that that happens to people in my in my community. But then also getting at like, well, what more are we do like what more can we be doing and and what are areas that we're already kind of missing, right? Mm-hmm. Like those mm-hmm were kind of some of the questions that were coming yeah, out. And it's yeah. it was amazing because if that's what they're already thinking of, being able to like get outside themselves um, and recognize needs that are going on in their direct communities, um, it would be it's gonna be amazing to see what they end up running with as as they grow up and as more opportunities are presented. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, any final encouragement to those of us listening on how we can come alongside and support or cheer people like you on who are more Mm -hmm. directly helping raise this next, next generation? Mm -hmm. Well, I think prayer is one of the biggest things that Mm -hmm. can extend support. Um, And we have other women in our community that 
join as prayer partners with our year two girls. That's part of the second year component of the program. And um, prayer is such a huge thing. Like it doesn't require necessarily taking an hour out of your day to go for, go out for coffee or try and track down like, who are all the leaders? I need to meet with them and, and see them face to face. Um, prayer goes a really long way. Um, so I think that, and for our girls, like they're getting, they're getting to an age, like they're all babysitting now and they're, they're growing (laughs) up, right? Like they're, they're gaining more responsibility in all areas of their life and, and being willing to like extend opportunity, um, for them to be able to rise up because I, I think that some will be able to plow the way for themselves, no problem. And I also think that any of them, given an opportunity, will be able to rise up and and surprise us with how well they do. Yeah. Uh, gang, I hope that in this conversation, you're drawing away two conclusions. Number one, that people like Maddie Van Hemert are no longer the next generation. They are it these days around here. And our present, not just our future, is in amazing hands. Mm-hmm. I know that you're in the middle of planning a wedding, and hopefully, <laughs> you and Josh both want to stick around Niagara. Oh, we certainly do. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we're, we're you know, you guys are key load-bearing walls in the present, not just mm-hmm. the future of our church. But then beyond that, appreciating that what used to be the next generation you know, is really the generation leading this this these days. Uh, there is a next next generation behind them that is really pumped and primed and ready to go mm-hmm. that we can pray into and pour encouragement into to see God uh, bring to life. And really, at the end of the day, the combination of those two mean the future of our church is in amazing hands. And uh, it's really exciting to be able to talk with people like you about this. Uh, I know from a personal level, we've talked <laughs> because of my kid involved in this, uh, off the record about all kinds of things related to this, but we so appreciate the investment that you're making in those kids and the way you're pouring the best of who God's made you uh, into this next, next generation. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of you for joining us in this conversation. We'll see you again next week. Take care. <laughs>